Hello, my magical friends. My name's Ayumi. My pronouns are she, her, hers. And you're listening to Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. Whether it's your first or 157th time listening, we welcome you to our space to celebrate magical girls from every corner of the world. We have a little bit of news, and I've watched some things, and then we'll get to today's topic. So let's get started. This is a pretty, pretty here intro here, but <laughs> we got the news about the upcoming film Precure All-Stars F. So um, we had already had the title and a teaser trailer, which contained clips from past movies featuring the, the leader cures of those various seasons. And we got like a whole bunch of them. And, you know, while exciting, it was a teaser trailer. There was no new footage. But we got our first look at what's going on this time around. So naturally, you know, with every pre-cure All-Stars, there's always the question as the seasons continue, how are they going to incorporate past cures? So, you know, for a long time, they were using every single team every year until it got to be a bit too much. And over the past five years, the All-Stars movies have been these crossover movies between the last few seasons, which made the most sense because those were the ones fresher in children's minds, the ones that the children would care about. And then we got these crossover uh, ones with past seasons. So in particular with uh, Healing a Precure, they got a cameo from Yes, Precure 5. And then with Tropical Rouge Precure, they had a crossover with Heartcatch in their movies. But those were in the solo movies for those seasons, which were a little bit different. So in particular for this one, for the first time ever, what we're getting is a variety of Precure from different seasons, but not shown in full groups. It seems the story is that all four of the Precure from Soaring Sky Precure are uh, wake up in this world and they are all separate from each other. And they end up meeting other Precure along the way and becoming their own teams. So of course this is very exciting. And on top of that, in Cure Sky's team in particular, there is Cure Supreme, a brand new Precure we have never seen before. It's very exciting. Uh, this movie comes out September 15th on Friday. And um, yeah, that's about all we know for now. But it is very, very cool. So next, what I've been watching, well, of course, Soaring Sky Precure. As we mentioned last week, last episode, uh, episode 22 was a major one. Oh my goodness, it was a just major tearjerker. And this week, as expected, things did clear up, as is common for a pre-cure season. If there's a fairly sad episode, the next episode is going to be Mending Our Hearts. And that was definitely the case this episode. I ugly cried. I am very lucky that I watched it while I was alone. It was oh, such a beautiful moment. You know, the the character work, character development in this season has been really strong. And I just really love it. And famously, Cure Prism is my favorite cure, so I really enjoyed this episode a lot. I'm just so happy with this season. It's been fantastic. 
Also this week, um, I haven't mentioned this recently, but I have been making an effort to do more uh, reading of comics by getting them through digital services. So there is an application, which I have been using. Um, there are ways to get a lot of comics, a lot of chapters read there for free. So I have been using that service and catching up, etc. with um, Precure chapters. The most recent chapter is not available for free but the one before it is. So as of this week, they made chapter five available and chapter four I, I did read last week. So I have been keeping up with the comics now because of that, which is really nice. For anyone who doesn't know, the Precure comics are actually uh, supplementary material. So they tell side stories. They don't get into the stuff that happens in the show, but basically because they come out once a month, they do feel very time skippy and stuff. But yeah. With that, I believe I'm all done here, so let's get on to today's topic. <sighs> so, I am really, really excited about this episode today because it is a, a classic, a really iconic series, both in animation and in comic form. This is definitely one where the differences are vital and important, so we do talk about them in today's chat. I really enjoyed getting into this series um, as it is the other animated series based on a work by Arina Tanemura. There is other stuff from her that I think is possibly worth discussing on the podcast at some point. Um, for example, Time Stranger Kyoko is another big one that didn't get adapted but is a very big comic. So I do look forward to that in the future. We'll see what happens. <laughs> so speaking of the guests today, um, I am very, very excited about this because I love when I get other podcasters on my podcast. Um, <laughs> so today we are talking to Chika Supreme of Shoujo Sunday Podcast. So uh, she is one of two hosts. If you're not familiar with Shoujo Sunday Podcast, it is a show a podcast that discusses and breaks down media episode by episode, or sometimes we do movies, etc., that are geared towards a female audience that are from the Japanese space. They just finished up their coverage of Oran High School Host Club, which is a big series I'm sure you all know. So if that's something that's up your alley, I definitely recommend it, because unlike this podcast, they break down things a lot more in depth. And yeah, I'm just really glad to get to work with Chica on this episode. And I'm looking forward to Gianna's episode as well. <laughs> but yes, so with John, um, I do want to point out something that's really important. I didn't think we get, we didn't end up getting into in the episode itself. But this is one of those series that is like when it comes to Things that people don't remember are actually older in the genre than people think they are. This is like a big series for that. Just to put that out there, I'm not going to get into spoiler territory here. So <laughs> yeah. But anyway, we do have to give some warnings about this chat before we get into things. So the first warning just being um, age gap relationships. While the main romance, etc. is not that, there is a potential love interest who is too old for our main character. So I wanted to point that out. There's a lot of stuff, a lot of really hazy stuff regarding um, consent and autonomy 
and like respecting boundaries, etc. So just keep that in mind. We also do discuss teen sexuality a little bit, so if you're not comfortable with that, I understand. And of course, there's on the side of villains, there's a lot of um, gaslighting. So yeah, just keep that in mind as you get into this series, if this is something you're checking out for the first time. But yes, I, I have spoken enough, so uh, let's get into it. So here is our episode with Chica Supreme of Shoujo Sunday about Phantom Thief Jean. So we are finally here to talk about Phantom Thief Jean or Kamikaze Kaito Jean from 1999. And I'm very excited for our guest today. Can you please introduce yourself? Hi, everyone. My name is Chika or Chika Supreme from Shoujo Sunday. It's really nice to be talking with you, Ayu. I know we've had this kind of in the plans for a couple of months. So it's <laughs> great to yes, like, be yes. doing this. Yeah. Yes. And of course, uh, Gianna will be coming on at a later date to talk about a different show. But um, yeah, definitely. I'm very excited for this little crossover. <laughs> yeah. And um, what are your pronouns? Oh, my pronouns are she, her. Fantastic. So yeah, before we get into this show and a little bit about the comic, Chica, what is your history with the magical girl genre? Right. So I feel like I had the quintessential experience. So my like first exposure to the magical girl genre was with Sailor Moon. Mm-hmm. In the 90s, I remember that my older sisters, I have three older sisters, and mm. when I was in like elementary school, they would come back from like middle school, high school, and would record the latest Sailor Moon episode on VHS so that by <laughs> the time I came back from school, then I could watch it. Fantastic. Yeah, so that's how I like got into the magical girl genre. And I don't know, I feel like it's just stuck with me. I like I even have a Sailor Moon tattoo and all of that. But oh, mm-hmm. it's stuck with me. And I just love it. So hmm. what do you think it was about Sailor Moon that struck you in particular? I think that I really admired the fact that Yusagi she was able to save the day but at the same time still be really soft Hmm. like still have her different obstacles she would cry so i just saw different like aspects of myself within yusagi and also within the other scouts too that just Hmm. sort of made me feel seen in a way and i think that that's kind of the main reason why like it's kind of tried and true in my mind yeah sure yeah they're all very relatable like i mean that's kind of one of the things that is why the formula changed after sailor moon so it's like you have to have teams of magical girls as opposed to just one is you know there's going to be one for everyone like there's you know different reasons that different girls are relatable but yeah so uh, what other like series did you get into in the genre since Sailor Moon? I would say 
So Revolutionary Girl Utsna, I think I got into Alice 19th. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, Pre-Tier. Hmm. Um, I guess, I mean, a little bit of card capture Sakura, but it's like, I'm, I wasn't as into it as I know other people were. Mm -hmm. I, I just got a Blu-ray for Saint Tail that's coming soon. Yay. Very good. Very important. Yeah. And also relevant to today. <laughs> yes. Yes. Awesome. So, um, I guess, how about like these days, do you still try to watch um like any current magical girls or are there any ones from the past that like you're interested in getting into i mean aside from saint tail of course yeah i really would love to get into revolutionary girl utina with gianna one day i think mm. it just depends on how we're going to do it because the way that we format the podcast now we're like bi-weekly Mm -hmm. so when we end up covering like shows that have longer episodes we end up thinking about whether or not like okay um how is the fan base like for this like um not that there there is a fan base for revolutionary girl utina but it's kind of just like okay like how active are they is this the right choice Hmm. You know, do we have to possibly change our formatting to to do this because we want to go over um, shows that have more episodes, but with sort of the way that we are doing our programming now? Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I can understand. I think, you know, with your show, any, for anyone who, who hasn't listened to your show, you um, you and Gianna do break down uh, shows episode by episode and talk about oh. them. Um, so I do think that, you know, Utena would make a very interesting um, topic for a while, but it is, yeah, certainly a lengthy series and there's really nothing you could possibly skip. So it's, yeah. it is a bit, um, it's, a, it's a bit of a challenge, but at the very least, there are like pretty distinct story arcs. So you could always like, start with one arc take a break do something else and then come back <laughs> yeah 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 i think we might end up doing that but yeah so it's like i've been thinking about that a lot mm. and then also getting into tokyo Mew Mew as well that's something mm. that we've wanted to do since we started um so yeah sure sure it's um yeah, definitely a good time to do that. The reboot was was very good, but the original, there's still a lot to, to talk about for sure. Mm -hmm. But yeah, <laughs> awesome, awesome. So I think we're ready to get into today's topic. So again, Kami Kazekaito John or Phantom Thief John is a really interesting series. So this is the first of the two comics by Arina Tanemura that were adapted. And so in this case, it was done by Toei Animation. And this series, it's so interesting in a lot of ways. You know, it is compared a lot, of course, to Saint Tail because it is a Phantom Thief show and a little bit to Sailor Moon because it has this kind of aspect of rebirth and being like the, the reincarnation of someone. Mm -hmm. uh, in this case, you know, Tanabuda chose a specific figure, um, Joan of Arc or Jeanne d'Arc, as it's said in French. And it's just a, such a fascinating 
little show, but uh, for yes, for any listeners who are not familiar, you know, this is a show, um, a series about uh, Maron, a seemingly standard high school girl for one reason or another, except that her parents are both abroad and they're pretty much no contact, but we do know that she at least is able to live in a very comfortable apartment um, mm-hmm. in her, her town of Momokuri. And sometime before the start of the series, uh, she was approached by this angel named Finn, who told her that she was the reincarnation of Joan of Arc. And it was up to her to um, purify these you know, various things, um, mostly artworks in particular, but um, sometimes other kinds of treasures that uh, were being possessed by demons and so in order to purify the demons she would accept some power from finn the angel and then transform and then uh, fight off the the demons who typically whenever they're around whatever human owns that object or is attached to that object will kind of become evil and we can talk a little bit about how that uh, affects characters and stuff it usually just causes a lot of pain for the characters around them you know like friends and loved ones Basically, that is her general like whole thing is like that's what she's doing every episode. It's interesting that her transformation in the first half of the series she transforms like in real time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, which is which is pretty cool. And despite her name, her outfit is very like very Japanese priestess inspired, which is also very interesting. But yeah, and uh, as she's you know. A phantom thief she always announces that she's going to be stealing the beauty of whatever item it is by sending it to the police and her best friend miyako just so happens to be the daughter of the police chief and she is personally dedicated to trying to catch john as we go through the series we learn that that's because like she's trying to prove that john is not modern poor thing. (laughs) And another major character is Chiaki, who is the new boy in town. And he moves into the same apartment building as uh, Maron and Miyako, who are next door neighbors. At the same time, we also get this interesting character named Phantom Thief Sinbad, who seems to be dedicated to doing the same thing as Jean, but not just as a rival. He, over time, does explain that his purpose is to actually stop Jean from doing her job because he wants her to quit, more or less. Before we get into like the depth of the show, what is your history with this series in particular? Right, so I feel like back when I was getting into anime, because I'll admit now when I was watching Sailor Moon, I was really young. I didn't mm-hmm. know what anime was. I just knew that I liked the style. So um, I fell into watching other shows like Dragon Ball, Pokemon. And it's like, oh, I like this style, but I didn't really get that it was anime. And so I think eventually around like 2004 or 2005, I realized what anime actually was. So then I wanted to find more magical girl like stuff. And I had one of my sisters buy me Phantom Thief Sean off of eBay. But it was very like ghetto in that it was on like bootleg computer discs. Mm-hmm. And then I didn't even get the full series. <laughs> so I think it like stops up to 
honestly, like maybe the twentieth episode. Oh wow! Okay. Yeah, and then it just they didn't have the rest or whatever. So like that was my first experience, like getting into the show. And honestly, I mean, at the time, I knew that I liked it because I liked magical girl stuff.、Mm-hmm. Um, I wanted more of that. Sure. But at the same time, it's like I mean, I'm glad now I had the chance to like watch everything <laughs> rather than just stopping at after a certain episode. But yeah, that was my experience, like getting into it at first. Yeah, that's super interesting. I think you know, much like with the other Tanimura series, Full Moon, Also Last Day, there's like this very interesting thing of like this series being so so famous, like so iconic. For having like major twists, which is kind of like yeah, I think that's kind of her bread and butter. Basically, you know, she's gonna tear your heart out. <laughs> it's kind of her thing、um, when she's writing comics. But I think it was interesting to kind of see that like this series is definitely very unique in a lot of ways. Like, you know, very simply put, a lot of people say, "Oh, it's Sailor Moon and Saint Tail," and it's like it kind of is, but it also really isn't. Yeah, it's just interesting, like. A whole kind of combination of stuff, and very much you know of the time. Of course, in general, magical girls like of various varieties were、uh, very very popular. It was not surprising that Toy wanted to pick this one up. She wasn't really sure. Her whole thing was like she wanted to draw in a style that was very difficult to animate, and perhaps that's why she only ever had two of her comics ever、um, adapted. But it's just like. Such a fascinating series, and and you know, at the end of this, we will get into the differences because there are a lot between the comic and the adaptation that we、uh, watched. But I think it's just like this thing that I always knew. Oh, I'm sure when I watch it, I'm gonna enjoy it. And like, I thought I knew all the twists. I actually did not, so that was fun. But it was like really cool to like finally get into the stuff that I always heard about. Yeah. Yeah, but. The fact that you had only been up to episode twenty for all this time is is so wild to imagine. I don't know. Did you ever find out anything about like the plot twists without actually、uh, naming them? Like in between then and now, finally finishing the show. No, I think it was just because I like was negligent. Like, and then I was also like young. And stuff. So I just assumed the end was the end, because、mm-hmm. I think in the same order, not the same people, but like I also asked my sister to get me like Inuyasha, and then Inuyasha also stopped at a certain point. <laughs>、um, mm-hmm. So it just felt like this is just something that happens. So I'm like, mm-hmm, okay, mm-hmm.、Uh, you know, I guess I just chalked it to the game. I never went to go. See, like, oh, what was next? It's just like, maybe that was the end. I think I just assumed that twenty, like, I don't know, like maybe they just、sure. didn't fully like commit to animating it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think. I mean, certainly there are projects that that fall out sometimes, but I think it's also like it is technically for kids, right? It's technically a girl、mm-hmm. series, and I do think that there is an interesting notion of like some things being. More or less episodic with kids shows, and the kind of possibility of that being so much the case that like there really isn't a clear ending.、Um, <laughs> I 
I know what it was like at that time. I definitely watched a few different shows on CDs <laughs> mm. uh, that were definitely not official in any capacity. But I think it's really interesting to think about like how the ways that it was so difficult to access these kinds of shows makes yeah. it like so easy for you to not have consumed enough more or less because you know this show is um it's 44 episodes so you didn't even get to watch half of it <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah i i think i was just at a time to where like when i was finding different work so even prior to me realizing that anime was anime when i would go into like blockbuster and i'm like trying to find anime without knowing it I was just grateful to have found anything. So mm -hmm. for me, it's just, it was just easier at the time to just be like, oh, okay, well, you know, I guess that's that. <laughs> I'm, mm. I'm glad I was able to experience a little bit of it, so. <laughs> but yeah, so this, you know, series uh, came out in 1999, so right at the end of the 90s. And I definitely think it marks a pretty interesting kind of shift between the 90s and 2000s where the early 2000s were just like full of these series that were kind of questioning things a bit more about the genre. Preacher is another great example of that. Mm -hmm. Also, like a pretty iconic series visually, the uh, the character designer for this series is uh, Hisashi Kagawa, who is so famous for Magical Girls. He has a book on how to design them. He did this. He did a lot of animation work on Sailor Moon, on Utena. Uh, he was also the character designer on Fresh Precure, so he knows his stuff. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I guess um, with the, the kind of early part of the show, we have this like dynamic where, again, more or less episodically, we have these different episodes of like the kind of demon of the week and the problem of the week kind of all wrapped up together and them figuring out, oh, there's a demon. We got to got to catch it. And um, we know the audience knows from the beginning that Sinbad is Chiaki, right? Yeah. It's like not just like very obvious from the character design. Oh, the boy with short, dark blue hair is also the boy with short, light blue hair. But, you know, like we actually get to see their interactions and stuff. So we kind of like know to a certain extent that he's good. We don't know why he's doing what he does. We also never get to see a transformation sequence from him, which is maybe one of the few disappointing things about the show. But um, yeah, he has his a little angel of his own named Access who is always interacting with Finn. And it's very interesting that their interactions throughout the show, we see Finn constantly going like, get away from me, Access. You're working for the demons. Like you are trying to interrupt John's work. And Access is always like, come on, you know, that's like not true and whatever. It's it's all very fascinating. And then with, you know, with like Chiaki aka Sinbad, it gets to a point where in his attempts to stop her, he like, is like he does kiss her like when they are transformed which is like oh yeah. dear what's happening um <laughs> and you know there is definitely a lot of like romance in the series generally but in his um you know in his regular form as as a classmate chiaki is like always like from the beginning flirting with maron like like nobody's business and also he's apparently very attractive because miyako has a huge crush on him and is like very clearly interested in him and makes yes. it very clear that she likes him but it's like why <laughs> <laughs> he's not your type uh, i take it okay <laughs> like i mean he has good points i i feel like i 
sort of preferred him. Well, yeah, I preferred him in the manga, but still, even with that, it was just kind of. I don't know. I feel like with the way with Miyako's like conviction, you just wouldn't think that she would be as boy crazy as she is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So it's just kind of like okay. I think for her, um, it's very clear. You know, she does you know have her her dreams, her girl boss dreams of becoming a police officer, and that's an interesting topic on its own. But she does have that sense of like, she's still a teenage girl. Like these are definitely mm-hmm. still teenage characters. Yeah. You know, so it, it does make sense. Like there is an episode about her like dreaming about one day getting married and they're like, oh, so you're like not going to be a police captain. And she's like, uh, no, I'm going to do both. Obviously, it's like very cute, very silly. And, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's kind of fun. Like that's kind of like, especially of this time, it feels like such a, a major thing for a lot of these shows to be like. This kind of giving that message of like you can have both you can be the hero and you can have romance and it's like you don't need to have romance actually but okay <laughs> yeah yeah mm. it does make sense for miyako to like want to experience love because of like her age and i mean everybody like when you're younger you sort of have those thoughts of like oh like I really like this person. Do they like me? Mm-hmm. And then your life can sometimes revolve around different scenarios of that mm-hmm. and stuff and the angst of it, uh, angst, anger, happiness. I guess, it, I mean, maybe it's it's because it's been a while for me, but it's just kind of like oh okay like you can just like somebody just because you like them (laughs) it's not like oh consistent behavior or um Mm. i don't know i mean i know technically he does help her in the beginning Mm -hmm. which jump starts it but it's true that you can just like somebody off of a simple action or just because you want to like someone versus, I don't know, they display like different characteristics that make you think like, oh, you know what? I am attracted to this person. I want to pursue that. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I don't really know if we need her to have like a major reason to like him, which is like, oh, he's cute and he's there. Like he's very forward, like with Madon in general and Madon's like, whatever uh <laughs> for the most part of the beginning she's like really not having it and doesn't really understand like what's going on there but definitely with yeah with that it's kind of also an opening for Miyako to be like hey like forget about her try me I'm super available hello and it's kind of fun that like she is that forward you know I, I, yeah. I think the dynamic is really cute for that reason where it's just like I think it's almost like I don't know about good representation. That's a kind of feel a weird way to put it, but like it's kind of a fun example of like, you know, having this love triangle where it's like, okay, we can see where it's going based on what we know, like that Miyako doesn't know, but it's yeah. it's very fun to kind of watch that like silliness because it's just like, oh, kids, you know, they think yeah. your stuff is so serious, but sometimes it's like really not. <laughs> yeah, yeah. For for me, it was it was entertaining, but I can definitely understand like not seeing Chucky as a, as a viable option because it's like, sure for me too. Like as an adult, I'm like, yeah, this kind of guy is not really 
it, you know, that he, yeah. he's trying his best, you know, and he does like admit feelings later on and stuff, but like, he's not really doing things the right way, I think in a lot of ways, but it's also like, he's also a teenage boy. Right, right. Yeah. yeah. He's also like, he teases Maron a lot. Mm -hmm. But then it sort of reminds me a little bit of the saying that like, oh, if somebody is like making fun of you, then they really like you. Mm -hmm. Which I mean, in real life, take that with a grain of salt you guys <laughs> yeah yeah for sure for sure <laughs> but like i was told that when i was in like elementary school and Me i too. believed it and it's like no like you were being bullied chica like they did not like you <laughs> um so i feel like the teasing and i wouldn't say that chiaki he he didn't bully Madan or miyako and stuff i just think that the overall approach was just like uh, not what I was receptive to. I understood Chiaki more when Chiaki was Sinbad. Mm. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. There are worse romantic interests. He's just yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah, and then actually speaking of romantic interests, we do have a kind of recurring male character as well, uh, Minazuki, who is the class representative and this poor kid gets <laughs> possessed by demons twice and is kind of part of the group because he has a major crush on on Madon mm -hmm. and it's kind of clear to the audience that he doesn't have a chance but like they're still friendly so it's it's fine and he's very interesting because he has like the most stereotypical like nerd voice <laughs> I've ever heard yes but when he's like possessed he does his voice does change and he often like kind of uh changes his personality in, in in big ways which we can definitely talk about more uh later but um <laughs> yeah like he's in kind of interesting like recurring characters like part of the love triangle kind of in that he's also interested in Madon, as you need those kind of characters for this kind of show <laughs> but yeah so again like the the general beginning of the show is like like a lot of stuff problem of the the day stuff where we don't really see a lot of the characters again we do get like a few different things with like like people around them right like the, one of the times um miyako's father is is a victim for example yeah miyako herself can see sometimes like something is is up with some people before they're targeted by uh john um, but in any case it's still like she's it's like this constant back and forth uh this cat and mouse game the kind of classic you know, Phantom Thief storyline. It's it's interesting, um, and I'm sure you'll see it when you get to watch Saint Tail. Like the comparison between that and the dynamic in Saint Tail is is um, yeah, it's like similar, but also like a little interestingly different. Um, I can imagine people like, for example, shipping Madon and Miyako for that reason. Mm. But yeah, and then like you know, it gets to the point where like Miyako's getting like better and better. You know, <laughs> each yes. time. Yes. There's also a lot of like interpersonal stuff, you know, like again with Maron's, you know, family being away, um, you know, the only time that we hear from from her parents at all in the show is uh, like one day she gets a voicemail from her mother, you know, this is 1999, this is back when we had like answering machines and uh, yeah. her mother leaves a voice message that she and her father have decided to get a divorce. And, you know, it's like very... Um, 
it's very tragic and like she that's like the only contact she gets you know and we see and chiaki sees as, as well that like every day Maron goes to her mailbox hoping to get something anything and he starts actually leaving messages for her which is kind of cute but again you know very cute yeah <laughs> like some of the the notes are are not necessarily the sweetest so you know just like silly notes or sometimes a little tongue-in-cheek a little mean but still gives a little bit of something you know uh that's i guess his way of being affectionate <laughs> yeah like him yeah. just trying to s sort of perk her up i guess since like not receiving correspondence with her parents um, makes her sad so yeah exactly I'm wondering, uh, are there any particular episodes or, or like, you know, one-off stories you wanted to talk about at the beginning of the series, as far as like the first kind of round of uh, monsters? I would even, I, even like starting off with like episode four, because mm -hmm. I, I think that's like our initial, we're seeing Minazuki like interacting with demons he wasn't possessed mm -hmm. but like him kind of being brought into the story i think that would be like a good one to touch on mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. oh the episode eight like it looks like finn has feelings for a pianist mm -hmm. that reminded me of another show another show so I thought that would also be something good to touch on. Hmm. I'm trying to go through all of my notes. because mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I was like taking notes, but then also doing like commentary on certain points mm -hmm. um, for each episode. So I was like, okay, where did I like write a lot? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, of course, we don't we don't go into as much detail as, as Shoujo Sunday does generally. Uh, in the meantime, let's talk about episode uh, four then. Yeah. So so what was it about this episode that like struck you? I think just the fact that um you know Miyako and Maran they saved Minazuki from being like bullied um because his grandfather is like the owner of this company and apparently he was like buying people out like doing hostile takeovers mm -hmm. and so people were upset with his grandfather and taking that out on minasuki and so they kind of come in to help him and i like that they just try to side with him and hear him out um, rather than just treating him negatively, which I feel that at that point he was kind of expecting. So mm -hmm. I really like that aspect of like the friendship amongst them. Mm. And then I think I also just like that this episode kind of just displays Minasuki, like even though he can be labeled as weak, and he is like the nerdy like character type he still wanted to do what he could to help his grandfather um mm -hmm. so even when his grandfather like was possessed he was trying to like talk to him and be mm -hmm. involved and so i really appreciated that yeah it's interesting because you know obviously one thing about the genre as a whole is a lot of the the problems of the day 
are like kind of real. <laughs> so it's like such an interesting dilemma to kind of um, have any mention of really in a, in a show like this. So it's definitely really kind of a, not, I don't want to say peculiar, but maybe a little, a little funny, <laughs> an odd situation, but definitely very interesting. Yeah. And it also makes him like an interesting character to introduce in such a casual way where like he then, then becomes more important later on when, you know, he also becomes victimized. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So yeah. And then I guess episode 10, the, our piano story. <laughs> yeah. Or I think it was eight. Oh yes. Eight. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, it's okay. The victim, his name's Takumi. He's a contemporary of Madan and Miyako's gymnastics teacher slash mm -hmm. homeroom teacher. And Finn really falls for him, or at least mm -hmm. the, way, the way that he plays the piano. It just reminds her of the music that's in heaven, mm -hmm. which it also reminded Access of the music that was in heaven. But like they have their little like gag of always fighting like when they see one another. Mm -hmm. um, and I think what I liked about this is that, you know, you get to see Fen sort of stray away from being like that voice of reason for Madon. Instead, like this is the time where it's just like, oh, okay, you know, we get to see Finn let allow her emotions to sort of take over the decisions that she makes and how she interacts with this pianist um, who eventually gets possessed. And mm -hmm. I just, I liked it um, because it also reminded me of Sailor Moon hmm. because there is a point when Luna falls for the scientist. Yeah, yeah. And so I just like, when I was watching this episode, I was just like, oh, okay, like, so it's like the sidekick has their own like dalliance or like their little experience with love. And so um, that stuck stuck out to me. Yeah, that makes sense. Like the kind of involvement of a, of a mascot character, you know, it's, it varies from show to show. But like mm -hmm. that um, story, it's, it is, you know, very cute to see. And like Finn is, you know, very adorable you know she speaking of sailor moon she's the same voice actress as uh, diana in the original series super oh, yeah. tiny super cute little voice um he's like so polite and just infectiously cute uh, <laughs> and like you know she is basically the closest friend that uh Maron has ever had like it is cute to see like her getting to to express her own emotions and in, in this stuff and yeah the stuff with accesses <laughs> It's always very silly, like literally every time, like she cannot stop herself from just saying like, be gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we don't know for a long time, like what's going on there or why Access acts the way he does and stuff, but great. And um, was there anything else, I guess, before the, the kind of mid-season finale? I would say even the next episode, so episode nine, mm -hmm. um, when we have the older photographer that oh, gets yes. possessed by a demon. In this episode, this photographer, um, his daughter passed away like three years prior and Madan looks 
kind of similar to his daughter. Mm -hmm. So he ends up taking photos of her at their school um, and then just later asking if she would be a model for him. And this episode, I think, stands out because you get to see you get to see Sinbad and then also Jean really be at odds with one another because Jean is trying to help him because she she has her own like family wounds since she doesn't have her parents in her life mm -hmm. and then seeing this photographer really hold on to the memory of his daughter it just influences her to want to really help him and so when you see Sinbad eventually like burning all of these different photos because he's trying to find the demon, it just really ends up messing with John's head because she's just like, why did you, you didn't have to do this. Like this was his treasure. This was his like world. And now that it's on fire, it's gone, mm. you know? Yeah. And this is, you know, again, the nineties, like, you can't yeah. just reprint new ones. <laughs> right. It's a little more right. complex than that. Yeah. It's interesting because like it's especially at this point, like it's so hard to kind of figure out what Chiaki's deal is, really. Like we know yeah. he has good intentions, but like he doesn't see anything the same way that she does. And he moves there, but like like to their apartment and stuff. Uh so he's also technically alone, but you know, his father is alive. You know, we do see him from time to time. His father is a, a doctor, owns a hospital. And um, apparently, like, there was a whole thing because, you know, Jackie's mother died and yeah. this man cannot stop getting remarried. It's not necessarily the best relationship there, but he's still alive. He's still around and he wants to be in Jackie's life. So, of course, that's like a big sore point for Madon as well. It's a an interesting dilemma. Yeah, that episode is definitely one of the more, like, I don't want to say like disturbing, but definitely like very visceral episodes. It's quite heartbreaking. Yeah, because like you don't really know where it's going to go. Because like at first you see this old man taking pictures of young girls and it's just like, uh, yikes, is this going to go left? Like, Right, right. It looks <laughs> at first it does seem creepy. And actually the girls, because like oh, we didn't mention them, Maron is in the gymnastics club. So like, you know, we have these girls like doing gymnastics in normal gymnastics clothes, which can include mm -hmm. leotards and stuff. So having a random strange man be like, can I please take pictures of your, your high school girls doing gymnastics? Yeah, that's kind of weird. It's made slightly better by the fact that he's like a famous photographer. Suddenly after that, it's all okay. But like, it could still be weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then with all of that, like, you know, he does like take Maron aside and be like, I want to photograph you specifically and like all that. When he when he explains himself, then like she takes, you know, pity on him and and understands. And, you know, she's just always very sympathetic and incredibly willing to do things for other people, which is part of why she's doing all this magical girl stuff in the first place, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like she just makes it a point to listen to people and to empathize hmm. and i think that gets to the heart of her being a magical girl is the way that she's able to be in touch with herself 
and in touch with the people that need help or need her. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, like maybe in a way because she's not, she's trying to avoid facing her own uh, problems, her own feelings, she's constantly doing the work to help other people. Yeah. Hmm, it's pretty great. <laughs> yeah, so she's, you know, very, um, definitely a good, like, kind of uh, role model in a way, though maybe she does a little bit too much from time to time. That could be discussed, but um, <laughs> I guess that's also typical of a lot of magical girls. But yeah, I guess if it's okay, I'd like to get to the kind of um, mid-season finale. Though I did notice that some places do split this show into two seasons, saying that like uh, 27 is the end of season one. We're all treating it as one show because even though there is like a difference in the kind of content moving forward, that's still like aired at the same time or whatever but in any case as the kind of uh, middle of the show uh, goes on like we see that things are getting kind of more and more dangerous but over time things work out for all the characters like like we see there's a constant again rivalry back and forth and then like the kind of continued budding of the relationship between uh, Maro and Chiaki and Miyako does eventually back off begrudgingly <laughs> as things are getting super dangerous like the kind of like final big stuff going on. Um, it turns out that they have kind of reached a particular goal, seemingly, as the um, Rosario, the kind of like reflective surface that Finn uses to give energy to Maron before she transforms, is like glowing and stuff. And um, when she defeats one of the demons, um, it creates this kind of like chess piece, uh, specifically a pawn shaped mm -hmm. little object that they're collecting and so it seems like they have collected enough and finn excitedly announces that you know because they have collected enough of the pawns that means there are no more demons to be cleansed so john's job is done and now finn is going to go take all these pawns and go to heaven and uh, become a, a higher level angel i think an archangel i'm not sure the specific words used in the translation so you know it seems like a very uh, a very heartfelt time, right? Of course, it's very sad to see Finn go because for Maron, mm -hmm. she is like the only person she can completely confide in because she knows everything about her. But yeah, and then, you know, when Finn goes, like, it's kind of like this seems like things are going to be better because, you know, John's work is done, or so we think. So um, <laughs> that means this is the, uh, you know, the mid-season spoiler. Um, so this, this, you know, ends with episode 27 is when Finn leaves. So if you are listening and you don't want any more spoilers, you don't want to know the, the kind of big stuff. Again, this is a series with major plot twists. We're doing our best to not mention them yet. <laughs> uh, but yes, uh, this would be a good time to stop listening and come back when you do finish watching the series or reading the comic. Um, it is a different experience between the two. So I definitely recommend doing both. If you are a comic reader, read the comic. If you want to watch the series instead, you can. The plot twists are basically the same. It's just the kind of way they're presented are a little different. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, yeah, with that, we can get to the second half of the series. So of course, it's not over, you know? <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> yeah, there was no way that she was cleansing all the demons of the world. There were simply not enough episodes for that. And, you know, she's only in her little, her one little town in Japan. But, <laughs> you know, right away, we get the introduction of new characters who come to town. 
you see two demons, one who's like a taller, kind of almost looks like a t- stereotypical vampire type of guy with long black hair. And yeah. we see this little girl with like uh, red, long red hair who constantly seems to be eating candy out of a special candy box. They don't seem to be getting along with each other. They're kind of at odds with each other and have very different ways of doing things. But they are still both like very clearly also demons. And the younger one who is named Mist, she causes a lot of trouble by basically seemingly feeding demons into these candies. Like like when she takes a candy out of her mouth, there's a demon inside it. And then she just kind of throws it somewhere to cause trouble. She loves to cause chaos. These demons are very different from the ones that were faced before because they take on physical forms and um, they they kind of infect their humans uh, in different ways. And of course, Maron sees this and is like, I thought all the demons were gone. What is going on? And she prays to Finn and she prays to God to, to give her the strength, the power she needs to transform. And she does. She gets a new outfit. It's awesome. She gets a full transformation sequence this time. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> it's very cute. Yeah. 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 It's you know very epic and so very exciting. And she gets a different item as well, which is, you know, her, her Rosario turns into this thing that has like this ribbon attachment. So she utilizes that, of course, in her, in her like fandom thieving, <laughs> if you will. I think it's a good callback to her just doing gymnastics. Mm-hmm, and so mm-hmm. it's like the um, rhythmic gymnastics. Oh, my God. Ribbon. Yes. <laughs> <I guess. laughs> yes. yes, yes, yes. Yes. Yeah, so like she knows what she's doing with it because she has a lot of experience with it. We see her ribbon dancing throughout the series. <laughs> so it's like, it makes sense. It's pretty cool. And, you know, Sinbad is still doing his thing and John is, is not having it. You know, when Finn leaves, she she warns her like, you know, don't trust Sinbad and Access because they are working for the devil. So she just tries to keep him away. He keeps trying to prove that he's not working for the devil. And uh, we also see the introduction of a new character at Maron School. Rather than like the classic exchange student, this one we have a new teacher, mm-hmm. Hijiri, whose name means like sacred or, or holy. Uh, and he's got like mysterious red hair. And when he first shows up, he brings Maron a note from her parents. And, you know, of course, she's very happy for this contact before that he was living in France. And so that's where he had met her parents and just happened to, you know, when when they found the news that he was coming there, they gave him that note to give to her. So it's very moving. And we see that, like, she is kind of pretty quickly becoming close to this teacher in a way that looks a little weird. (laughs) Um, And Chiaki is like, there is something up with this teacher. And so he is constantly kind of like, trying to stop things and Maron's like you don't know what's going on so leave him alone leave me alone there's nothing weird going on here just a teacher that's like being very helpful for a student yeah so it's it's an interesting kind of new series of events which all come to a head in episode 33 which is when Maron is starting to like really feel like maybe there is actually something between her and Chiaki and they like kind of are starting to become an a real item yeah she gets these rings specifically from her new teacher that she gives one to to chiaki or actually what happens is like chiaki takes them and gives one back to her and so it's like okay now we're gonna wear these rings this means we're serious 
right? Yeah, like the little couple rings, yeah. Yeah, yeah, just a, a very silly teenage thing to do. Um, so he's wearing it when he goes out later and is transformed as uh, Sinbad. And as they're fighting, his like glove gets like torn and his ring comes off. And so, of course, John sees it and goes, oh, you're Chiaki. And this is like huge shock to her. And, you know, this becomes this whole thing of like, okay, were you trying to get close to me because you're Sinbad? And he was like, well, yeah, at first. And so she's like, what? And this is obviously terrible. Like the whole thing throughout the yeah. show is her not feeling like she can trust anyone. Right. Like, yeah. Yeah. Because I think just of her circumstances and mm -hmm. not being able to communicate with her parents and always feeling like set apart from people. Mm hmm because of her home life being so different it's harder for Maron to connect genuinely with others and it's also reflected in her work as john of i mean at the end of the day like she's gonna save the day she's going to help people but then you'll see her questioning certain things that it's just like okay like in this moment of crisis, this is what you're thinking about. I think even the fact that she, I mean, this is a little before mm -hmm. this newer season and stuff, but like Miyako talked about how Maran hadn't really talked about her family in depth with her, the way that she had done with Chiaki mm -hmm. when she got the voicemail about, um, her parents getting divorced and then he went off to go get her mm. and stuff. And Miyako's been there from the very beginning, you know? Right. And so it's really hard for her to trust people. And so to find out that, you know, here's this person that like, you're sort of getting closer to this classmate and you're like seeing, I guess, the better side of him only to find out that it's this person that technically has been antagonizing you at different times that you've had different spats with like how mm -hmm. do you even combat that so yeah yeah it's it's interesting because obviously the same thing is going on with her and Miyako where she is having to spend this whole time like she's terrified of the idea of Miyako finding out that she is John because she doesn't want to have broken her trust, even though that's like literally what she's doing, because she can't explain like, oh, I'm a phantom thief because I'm like working under for God, like working in God's name. Right? It's like, yeah, no one's gonna believe that. And so it's really interesting to see her going through being on that side of things, and then the reverse happening to her, and like it also devastating her. And especially at this point, because Finn is gone, and like Finn had told her like, oh yeah, I'll be back in like a week or something. It's fine. And she's still not back. So she's feeling more and more abandoned. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just, it's like very, again, very emotionally intense. It's what we get in general from, from this series. And, and we also learn by this point uh, from the demons that John in general, like, but you know, Marlon in particular uh, has a barrier around her this very protective barrier that is basically like God's protection. Mm -hmm. Like as long as she is tr uh, trusts herself, as long as she's good, and as long as her emotions are in check, like 
she has a really strong um, protection, like literal physical protection. And um, the thing that like all of this stuff is doing is weakening her barrier. The fact that she can't trust people, the fact that like she is losing faith in people in general. So it's like, okay, there's more to this. Like this emotional turmoil is on purpose as we're figuring out. Yeah, I also think that the fact that she's losing faith in people, it also leads into her losing faith within herself because mm -hmm. the people that she does care about that are like one leaving the way that Finn did or betraying her trust the way that Chiaki did it makes her question herself because these are the people that she chose to be around her. So mm -hmm. if they aren't good, does that mean that she also isn't, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that that gets into that protection, like gets into weakening, further weakening, like her, her resolve and um, the way that she, is interacting like with others and how she sees the world yeah and it's like very uh, it's it's so so stressful to watch i feel like especially as an adult i'm like oh my god this little teenage girl she does she has so much to learn but mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just also so heartbreaking because you understand why she feels the way she does it's like very normal to feel this way because she doesn't have anyone to talk to about any of these feelings to like Obviously, like something as simple as like having had a therapist this whole time probably would have saved some things, but yeah, it's so much for one person to go through, but especially if you're young. So then we get to like, you know, again, more playing with her emotions. And um, the next big thing for me is episode 36, which is the next victim is actually Miyako's brother, Subaru, who has been gone for a while. He's he's back after an extent uh, with his studies he's already feeling kind of bad and then this demon comes and makes things worse and Miyako is like devastated and she thinks like he's not acting like himself something is wrong and so she literally like prays to John for help and it's like I need I need your help I need you to save my brother so she is like figuring out what's going on there yeah so of course she she comes to the rescue and it takes a lot. It's actually like a really intense episode and her father has to save her brother because like his entire house comes crumbling down. It's it's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> but in the end, you know, it is it does work out. And uh, you can see that Miyako is realizing that maybe Jean is not a bad person. Yeah. Right? I mean, I feel like that um, should have honestly been the biggest clue that she's not a bad person you know that that <laughs> she went and like saved your brother and stuff and i think that mm -hmm. it was kind of just satisfying to see miyako realize that hey you know there is a positive effect to what john is doing mm -hmm. like instead of just being like focused solely on i'm going to capture you but mm -hmm. like really understanding who Jean is and because she's able to see that there is good within Jean, I think it calls into question like her feelings about her because it makes it more complicated but in a good way hmm. yeah yeah 
And um, yeah, and then we get to the introduction of a, a new interesting character, um, Zen, this boy who is um, about to die, right? Like he's he's has heart problems. Mm -hmm. And um, this demon, the demon we've already seen before, comes to him and says, like, do you want to die? And he's like, I don't want to, you know, abandon my parents. I don't want to have them miss me. So he makes a deal with him that puts a demon in his heart. So, you know, this is like a really intense situation. And through another series of events, Jean ends up showing up and like becoming weirdly friends with Zen. <laughs> um, but she realizes that like, well, she can't really use her usual checkmate on Zen because it's in his heart, right? So like, yeah. if she does a checkmate, it will destroy his heart. Um, we get this whole thing of him, you know, realizing he doesn't want this demon heart, like he wants to be saved. But um, it's yeah. it just becomes a thing of like, you know, even though he's asking her, like John does not uh, do it. And he, he figures out pretty quickly that John is modern also, which is interesting. But yeah, it becomes this thing where she kind of helps him to heal before he leaves. And he ends up like of his kind of own volition, getting rid of the demon heart and then going to his parents. And we know that he, he dies. Mm. I feel like with Zen... Because we already touched on the fact that, you know, Maran easily connects with people that um, have similar experiences to her. And so it's like the fact that Zen was like trying to get out of the hospital when because he wants to see his parents. And Maran is able to resonate with that because... I mean, she also wants to see her parents and stuff um, and them getting connected. I think that them becoming like friends um, could also point to the fact that, you know, Finn was gone and here's somebody who's kind of like her and that she wants to like actively help. And it was nice to see Maran and then also Jean Jean doing what she could to really support Zen and to hear him out and to also like try to like get his wish like to come true you know it's sad at the same time but I really like the emotional beats that we get within this like connection between the two yeah, it's like really fascinating as a character. Like he has been um, hospitalized for five years. And that whole time, as far as he knows, his parents have never come to visit him. But as Maron figures yeah. out, his mother actually does come every day and waits by the door and then doesn't actually go in. And so like she kind of works hard to try to like get them together to figure that out. And, you know, they they kind of escape with her teacher. Um <sighs> to see his family, they run a flower shop and stuff. So he knows his flowers. Yeah. Um, but him actually seeing that, like actually hearing from his mother is like very, you know, affects him a lot. And then that's when we see, I think officially for the first time that the teacher is uh, this this demon that we saw earlier. Yeah, knowing. Yeah, knowing, yeah. Um, which is such a funny name. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is, I've, I've never, I've, I mean, I'll, Obviously, I've never heard that name before. So it's just kind of like, mm -hmm. okay, 
coin noise? Okay, yeah. we can do this. <laughs> I want to guess based on the spelling that like it might have been the case of like someone seeing a word like noir and like just oh, mispronouncing yeah. it basically because it is noin yeah. in, in, in Japanese, but it is just like yeah, very very funny. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so like this this kind of situation is like really heartbreaking for for John and also kind of expresses that like she can't checkmate people when they're being physically possessed by these like demons. It's a big hurdle for her to get over because she doesn't want to feel responsible for killing anyone. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, we get the news that like Finn is coming back maybe or like Access is like really worried about Finn coming back like this whole time basically. And um, mm-hmm. Chiaki seems to kind of know what's up, but we don't hear about it. By the end of episode 39, we're hearing that she's possibly coming back. And then we also hear from the demon side of things that, like, there's a queen coming. And that Mist is afraid that she's, you know, failed to capture John. So she's going to, like, basically maybe get killed, <laughs> get off by the queen. Yeah. And so she sets up this whole plan to try to catch her um, by, like, Pretending that John threatened to bomb the school, it's, like, really wild. Yeah, yeah. Then she, like, gets, like, kind of, like, possessed by her own candies, and it's, like, a huge battle. And, of course, Sinbad is involved as well. At this point, like, Sinbad also still always shows up, even though, like, John is like, I don't want you around. Like, why are you here? You're really Chiaki. You did all all this stuff to hurt me. And he's like, okay, but I want to help you. Like, yeah, he just, like, doesn't yeah. give up on her, basically. Yeah, which is good just because, like, the way that the demons are so different, they're harder to deal with now. Mm-hmm. And so it's nice that he's coming in to support her when it comes to, like, fighting them because things can get really, like, scary. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Because it is too much for, for one person especially someone who is like doing all this stuff on her own now and like doesn't have any way of understanding like if what she's doing is like correct at all (laughs) yeah but yeah so then we get to the end of yeah episode 40 and we hear that like okay the demons are here the queen is here chiaki's like okay but maron i really need to tell you something before before we go up here to face the demons and like it's kind of too little too late because the demons show up and Maron hears a familiar voice and it's Finn but it's not Finn it's a very different looking Finn who wears a lot more black her hair is darker and she gets a deeper voice as well and she says well I am Finn Uh Fish but I'm the fallen angel Finn Fish and you know I was with the devil you know like that's where I gave all those demons to and, and all that so it's like pretty shocking. Also, Chiaki doesn't get to say anything. He, like he wanted to say it, but then um, Noin like steals access and threatens his life. <laughs> yeah, which is a lot. Pointing out this detail because it's important later because this goes down very differently in the comic. Yes. Basically, the last four episodes are this, you know, facing Finn, having to defeat Finn, and this is devastating to Maron, of course, that like Finn was actually evil this whole time. And Access constantly says that, no, Finn is actually good. She was kidnapped by the devil and turned evil, like she was brainwashed. So, you know, we need John to, like, purify her again, to, to make her back to the angel that she was 
before. Yeah. So it is just this really intense, um, this intense episode, and Noind is there to to kind of cause more trouble. But just as they think that like her barrier is down enough that they can like fully kill her and get rid of John of Arc, it's kind of a lot. It's kind of a blur. But- yeah. but they end up basically getting like summoned to this mysterious place by Joan of Arc by Jeanne d'Arc and it's like this really interesting moment where they they talk to her about stuff and then you know Jeanne talks to Noin about what's going on Um, because like Noin basically is this guy who was around in Jeanne's time and he was like in love with her but because she had to remain a virgin in order to fight, he like mm-hmm. couldn't do anything about his feelings, even though they were mutual. And so he was just like very affronted by God, I guess. He was angry <laughs> at God for this. It sounds so funny, but that's the story. And yeah. so and like it's like turned him evil. Like he ended up go- turning to the devil and betraying Jean because of this. And all of that and like basically he's seen as like the reason why she gets burned at the stake and all that you know this reunion is very interesting because like she is able to forgive him she's like you know past is past you can make it up to me by protecting the jean now like protecting yeah. him and so you know he kind of becomes good at the end by believing in himself and it's quite sweet in a way because before that he was just like desperate to get to Jean again. Like his his reason for attacking Madon or going after Madon is like he's trying to reunite with his former lover, basically. Yeah, like he's trying to get to her spirit. Yeah. 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 So it's like if her barrier's down, she can get Jean out of uh, Madon, basically, is the idea. Mm-hmm. He is now devoted to protecting Madon. He's on their side. And um, they do end up returning back to their town. But just as things are like seemingly kind of like going to be slightly okay, uh, Miyako shows up. <laughs> and so they unfortunately have to reveal to Miyako that, uh, you know, Madon is Jean. So as she's dealing with all those feelings, suddenly Finn kidnaps her. So now they have to go rescue Miyako. And yeah, Miyako in episode 43 is brainwashed by Finn. Yeah, she basically convinces her like, well, if you kill John, then Madon will be free. So uh, it turns that um, battle and this the whole thing about like not being able to checkmate someone who's human comes up again because Madon does not want to attack Miyako. Yeah, at all. And it's like very emotionally intense, of course. Yeah, she's very conflicted by it because like her worst nightmare happened with Mm -hmm. Miyako finding out the truth but now it's like even going past her worst nightmare because Mm -hmm. when the demons are inside somebody it's like if you try to checkmate them you'll kill them and she doesn't want to kill her best friend right that's always like been there for her throughout the years and stuff and Mm -hmm. It's sad to see Jean like wrestling with her feelings and then also trying to like fight Miyako, but then not really like hurt her for real. Yeah, it's it's a really intense uh, thing. And she's able to like kind of, again, fight evil with love and mm-hmm. is able to save Miyako for, for that reason. You know, it's a very beautiful 
scene, very intense again, emotionally. And it's after that that, like, it's kind of funny because it's like, you know, they are going to, to fight Finn, right? She's the kind of final boss here. But Miyako's like, oh, is there anything I can do? And Tamadon's like, no, you're you're a cop, so you can't really do much. It's a, it's a phantom thief situation. She's like, okay, on this way here. <laughs> yeah, it's very, it's very funny. Yes, it is. But, I mean, I was also glad that she really did just stay over there right. because, mm-hmm. like, it would have made things so much worse if Miyako <laughs> went with them. So Yes, yes. So, so they go, and at this point, it's interesting. Chiaki doesn't transform into Sinbad after this. He just kind of remains Chiaki for the rest of the show. Yeah. Um, which is, yeah, it's, it's a interesting. Like, he, he says, like, there's no reason to be Sinbad anymore. But he still is able to do, like, checkmates and stuff um, as Chiaki. And at this point, we also have seen the origin of, of Access and him getting together. Basically, when Finn became this, you know, dark angel and it was sent to go after uh, John, to go after Madon, he was then sent by God to uh, get someone to help, like, you know, protect her and, like, stop her. And that's how he met Chiaki and all that. It was very cute, actually. <laughs> very yeah. funny. Yeah. They apparently meet, like, right outside a kind of, like, a place that, like, says, like, the adventures of Sinbad. So now the only place I know where that exists is, like, Disneyland. <laughs> so my part of me is, like, Oh, did like this boy become a magical boy like while he was at a Disney resort? This is very funny, but yeah, yes. So, and then it's like also attached to like the whole amusement park thing. Yes, like, yes, with her parents that we see throughout the anime and stuff, mm-hmm. in a sense. But yeah, yes, yes, because um, Madon's parents they they build amusement park attractions. They met at America Round, which is also important to Madon and Chiaki's relationship. Mm-hmm. And so it's, uh, you know, the final battle is, is very intense. You know, it's like Maron has to go by herself to face uh, to face Finn. Finn does one last trick of like just destroying her heart um, mm-hmm. with this illusion of her parents, you know, being there being like, oh, welcome home. We're so glad that you're here. You don't have to be, you know, fandom thief at John anymore. You know, this all that stuff is behind you. You won. And now we can get divorced. Yay. Like, there's nothing holding us back anymore. And she's like, what? It's like really, again, just like very emotionally intense for her. And so, you know, obviously they're not really there. It's an illusion uh, with demons and all that. But, you know, she gets tricked into believing that like once everything is over, that like her parents will like leave for good, basically. And gives her this idea that like she never should have been born and all of that, which... You know, as far as we know, it's, it's not true. Like, at this point, we kind of yeah. understand that um, the demons were at work tearing her family apart, which is part of why she was not able to be in contact with them and the fact that, like, yeah. her parents were getting divorced and all that. Um, so, again, just a lot of, like, very emotional um, stuff. Like, this is, like, a lot of um, psychic damage, if you will. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. I think because it's Finn, like, Finn was her best friend, I mean, mm-hmm. aside from Yako, but was her best friend, was her closest confidant. And so yes. Finn is using like these different things about Madan to attack her, mm-hmm. to try to get her way. But I think 
the best part of of this although it does get a little dicey so there's some time where you're just like oh is maron gonna die like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she detransforms like her eye the light in her eyes goes out and stuff but then she's able to um fight back because then access and chiaki come to not entirely like save the day it's just more of giving mod on that reprieve to have somebody talk her out of this illusion that she's in yeah so again like just so much devastation at the end here it's like it's so so emotionally intense and you just like want to jump into the screen and hold her and say everything's okay but luckily chucky is there he shows up at the very last moment and is able to talk her out of her pain she feels like she's all alone but he reminds her like there are people around her that love her you know even mm -hmm. if she doesn't she hasn't experienced that from like family in a while and of course she's been betrayed by finn but you know she has miyako and she has all these other people in her life yeah yeah it took her a while and you know he said like they can believe in you all you want but like you have to believe in yourself and that is finally what gets her to um you know feel uh like she can do this right yeah the final time that she transforms she actually transforms with no item it's just like her pure power and it's shocking even for finn and once again fighting hate with love she hugs finn and tells her she loves her and that is what it takes to get her to uh, turn back to how she was before and it's like very sweet um and you know it's like everything is is better and we can see at the end that like there's a letter left for Maron at uh, her mailbox. And yeah. Um, yeah, everything's back to normal. So if you have any other thoughts about the the finale before we jump into the comic, I'd love to hear them. <laughs> yeah, um, I think Jean coaches Maron into doing that like final transformation. Mm -hmm. And I thought that that was great because having that female like authority figure come back that's like from a pure place like sort of coach her through that moment I think that that was really good to see because then to me I think it was kind of similar in that you know Chiaki is one with Sinbad so then in these final like episodes you don't need to see Chiaki transform he's still able to do checkmates and like fight against the demons and so or at least with this the fact that uh Madan doesn't need the Rosario anymore like she's able to gain that strength based off of like what Chiaki was telling her but also from what Jean was imbuing into her um I think that was really great to see and then also you can kind of see at that point that Finn starts to get scared because it's like okay like she I guess she just realizes that the jig is up and so she's trying to get away from her um but yeah I think that final like hug especially with the wings going around them I thought that that was a beautiful moment and it's just nice that Finn is able to be Finn once more and not like this fallen angel. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, definitely. Um, with that, we do need to talk about the comic because my understanding, and from what I've read of it, I kind of agree. Basically, everyone who has read the comic feels like the comic does things better. So we got to talk yeah. about the differences because there are quite a few. The main thing being, I think, the way that the the stuff about Finn is dropped, right? Yeah. So it basically happens a lot earlier. Kind of getting to that kind of mid-season point, if you will. At this point, we actually see like an actual relationship, real relationship between Chiaki and John uh, and, and Maron. You know, they're kissing and stuff. It's a serious relationship. Yeah. It's very cute. And, you know, he says at that point, like, you know, I can't lie to you anymore. So I have to tell you the truth about Finn. Finn is working for the devil. And Maron's like, whatever. That's that's ridiculous. So she goes home and she's like, hi, Finn, I'm home. And she's like, yeah. So um, he says something so wild about how you're working for the devil. And she's like, uh, oh, I am. And I'm going now to the person I love the most, which is the devil. Bye. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, what? It's so it's so out there. It's so different. Right. And of yes. course, having it come from Chiaki first is also very interesting because he does it as a way to like show his own like you know um his sincerity yes yes that's the one um, thank you he's being honest right you know he's, yeah. he's being very straightforward about about everything at that point and so it's like so interesting that they presented it so differently by holding off that like information till the very end and like having all this other stuff happen at the same time yeah i think they it just makes it way more melodramatic hmm that it's just like, okay, like, you sort of just feel in the anime that Maran is at a disadvantage because Chiaki just knows all of these things about her. And like, we do learn stuff about him, but the fact that he's also Sinbad, like that being kept from her for so long. Like, I remember when I was watching it, I'm just like, why is it taking so long for her? her to find out like who he is and I mean she does find out but I was just like wow so many episodes but then when you're <laughs> reading the manga it's just like straightforward it was right there like yeah I'm Sinbad even the way like Maron's feelings towards Chiaki is very straightforward as well mm -hmm. and stuff because I feel like in the anime it just at least in the the beginning Maran is very like content to deny her feelings and to push them off to let I guess Miyako like have her chance and stuff but then on the other side it's just like well here she she thinks that he's cute like right off mm -hmm. he still has like slightly cringy moments and, and stuff <laughs> yeah the kiss between Jean and Sinbad that happens also in volume like so many things it just feels I guess because the anime is different because they are able to get to so many different cases right and I mm -hmm. mean I guess the way that things were structured is also different but I don't know I think I preferred the manga because I was just like, I wanted it to be as straightforward as it was. <laughs> like, okay, yeah, yeah. 
we're establishing that they both like each other like it's not kind of like pulling teeth to get mm. Maran to be like you also like Chiaki you do <laughs> yes yes yeah yeah I think you know obviously part of the pacing thing is you know the way comics are published versus a tv series so you know I just mm -hmm. wanted to point out for the, the sake of that that like the comic started in Ribbon Magazine in February of 1998. So it was only in about a, for a full year before the show started. So uh, as far as like when the um, stuff came out, like chapter 19 hadn't come out yet by the time the show came out. So mm -hmm. like, you know, the pacing is so just kind of naturally different for that reason as well, mm -hmm. I think. The show finished in late 1999 and then the comic kept going for a while <laughs> like the comic finished i think the last volume came out the tankobon is uh august 2000 right so yeah one of the things that's really cute about the comic is you actually get to see um both angels uh reincarnated as the future children <laughs> of, yes. of everyone, which is so cute it's so adorable yeah yeah but like everything is like very different i think for that reason also where it's like, again, it's just like, it kind of can't be helped in a way. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah it it yeah. couldn't really be helped. I think another thing that was different was Noin. Because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. like Noin dies mm -hmm. in the anime. But then in the manga, he doesn't. Mm -hmm. He just ends up devoting himself to Maran and helping her because he's always helped her. He waited like 500 years to help her. Mm -hmm. It's interesting to like note that, like to note that change because, you know, Noin in the anime and also in the manga was like obsessed with John. Mm -hmm. The original, yes. <laughs> the original, yes. And then they wanted to get with John. Mm -hmm. But then here, at least in the manga, it's just like, okay, Chiaki ends up being a sort of a voice of reason of, you know, you only see Maran as Jean, but I see Maran as Maran. And mm -hmm. there are good traits to her that makes me want to focus on her. And so you get to see like Noin's character development in that he also ends up seeing Maran for who she is and mm -hmm. decides to like continue his life as like this demon, but then determined to support her anyway yeah it's it's very interesting uh the difference it's it's so it's a lot i feel like I, I think that the main thing that i took away from the difference is like the fact that like well, for one thing yes finn being kind of seen as the villain for a lot longer in the course of the story but also mm -hmm. the fact that we actually get more time with maron and Chiaki as an actual couple is like yeah it's so nice. They're so cute. I don't know. Like they're very adorable together. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's it's kind of unfortunate that they didn't have the time or I don't know who made that writing decision, but like that decision to do that with with them to like make it again like you said more melodramatic. It's like, uh, do we need that though? You know. So I can definitely see like if you haven't read the comic, if you just watched the show, it's still good. It's still like, you know, yeah. entertaining. But yeah, the the way that things go in the comic is like pretty good. And so if you have the chance to to consume both, you should definitely consume both and 
decide for yourself which you prefer because you know some people prefer mel melodrama <laughs> yeah know. yeah i think um like you were saying though i do think that if people really wanted to see more of chiaki and maran's like relationship then they would probably go go towards the comic mm -hmm. and stuff because yeah. you just get to see them being sweet on each other mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which is like nice and affectionate well affectionate to the point that we end up meeting God, right? Mm -hmm. And then they're in heaven, but then they also screw in heaven, which I was just <laughs> kind of like, are you allowed to do that? Like, <laughs> um, wait, like, I mean, especially after watching the anime, I was just like, okay, so like, you know, they were talking about, I mean, it's also in the manga, too, about how Jean said that she needed to be Chase in order to do checkmates. So mm -hmm. then I was just kind of like, okay, but I don't know if you should be doing this in heaven. Wait, like, isn't that going <laughs> to <get laughs> mess up her powers? Like, she's about to go against the devil the next day. Like, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, uh, I don't, yeah, I, I'm not sure what the rules are there, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's uh, emotionally, it's very interesting. It's hard to, it's hard to try to imagine because like, we don't really have that, like, notion in a religious sense so much in Japan. Like, like, it's kind of there for certain things, yeah, like priestesses oh. and stuff, but like, it's not as uh, strict, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess, I, I don't know, it just, I I, I just couldn't help but think of it because I was just like, I don't know, like, I mean, the concept of heaven and what it's like. I mean, I guess people could do whatever <laughs> they want, but then it was just, <laughs> it was just kind of like, um, okay. <laughs> but yeah, so like, they're able to be together and she also uses the power of love like oh you also find out that the demon lord is um god's like yeah depression yeah, and like, like loneliness those physical manifestations which i was just like that's interesting okay mm -hmm. it's a part of you well i mean i guess it's also true like you know when it comes to like depression and like it, it can feel as if it's an entirely different being taking over you so like i understand that but i was just um fascinated by it because like we just been hearing about this demon lord for so long and then it's just like it's just another part of god <laughs> yeah like, oh, yeah okay <laughs> basically all my understanding of christianity comes from pop culture so like i feel like maybe it's like kind of Hmm, how do I put this? Like, in this case, it's very much physically a part of God, right? It's like these particular emotions of his. But mm. at the same time, like, isn't there, there the idea of like, everyone is God's children, like everyone is a part of God, right. God isn't every, everything? I don't know. Yeah. Right. I mean, there was a point, like, I grew up Christian. I'm not really practicing mm -hmm. now. But like the devil was a fallen angel mm -hmm. so because it was an angel it was lucifer was part of god mm -hmm. but then i don't know i think because it's like 
okay so god did create lucifer and everything i just find it <laughs> more fascinating no no it is different I'm it's so, different for sure i'm i think i just find it more fascinating that it's like rather than it being like an entity that god created it was an emotion that god was feeling mm -hmm. that sort of started this all um so yeah that's where I was going with it, guys. I know I was struggling. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I didn't mean to, like, be too combative there, but <laughs> it's fascinating. There's just, like, a lot of little extra things that, like, they just, you know, either didn't know about because of, like, how much of the comic was available to them to uh, adapt. Mm -hmm. I can imagine because this happens all the time when, like, you're um, adapting something that's not finished, right? Like, you have yeah. to figure out a way to finish it and get that information across and all of that. So, yeah, I don't know. I would definitely be interested to do more research down the line to see if there's any information about how they came to those decisions. But in any case, it's like it does make it for a very different experience either way. But yeah, so I guess we do need to talk about the uh, the problematic elements of the show. We did kind of touch upon things a, a little bit there. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I guess the main thing that I um, wanted to kind of bring up was with, um, well, I mean, in general, with like the, the topic of romance being so present, there's like a lot of other things surrounding that that are questionable. So I guess the kind of one thing that I wanted to bring up is is knowing as his human self as a Mr. Shikaido, he like is posed as a potential love interest to Maron, which like we know as audience members that he's like evil, right? Like pretty much immediately he's very yeah. sus, right? But it's still something for Maron. Like she really literally thinks like I don't know, I might love our teacher. Right. She even tells Chiaki this in the comic. It's like very unfortunate because on the one hand, it's like this is a trope. This is in so many series, including other shows, other comics by Tane Murachi, like cannot stop with these kinds of relationships. But mm. also like at the same time, he is evil. Like he is very clearly evil. So I don't know how to feel about it, but um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on it, Chika. Yeah, um, I felt uncomfortable <laughs> yes yes <laughs> i know that's the obvious but i just i felt uncomfortable mm -hmm, because Maron mm -hmm. having feelings for this teacher i think it was just another testament to how lonely she is without her parents because all she needed was just somebody giving her information on her parents and then in her mind they're a good person you know mm -hmm. and oh this person is giving me so much attention and he's connected to me in a way that nobody else around me is like maybe i am interested in that way and stuff and i mean it doesn't pan out which we're glad about and stuff but right. it was just uncomfortable seeing that because it's like she's literally a minor like come mm -hmm. on mm -hmm. and then outside of it you also learn that he's not even looking at modern as modern he's looking at her as jean right so at the end of it well not at the end of it but i guess more of a, of the middle because he does get redeemed 
he's trying to get with this minor, but to get with her spirit, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which is so confusing, but then also devastating for Maran at the same time and stuff. Yeah. But yeah. Definitely. It's, it's, a, it's a lot. It's a lot. <laughs> for sure. Yeah, again, like, because it's treated as, like, bad, you know, it's very clearly presented that way. It's like, okay, I guess. <laughs> but yeah. yeah, it's just also like, oh, my God, especially because, like, it would already be bad if he was actually an adult, but he's actually, like, 500 years old. So, like, that is quite the age gap. <laughs> we need to need to contact someone about that it is yeah it's a lot um <laughs> yes. yes the police cps hmm. Some, I don't know. someone i'm not sure <laughs> somebody yeah <laughs> yes and then uh i guess the other thing with that is um with uh minaski with when he was possessed as a demon again it happens to him twice and both times it is kind of wrapped around his feelings for madon and in both of the situations, he becomes a lot more forward, right? He, he's like, his personality yeah. basically changes a lot. And uh, in that, he ends up becoming basically too forward with her. And it's like very, very creepy. I believe the first time he's stopped specifically because like Chiaki is there and is like, hey, come on. <laughs> now, it's kind of funny because Chiaki's also a little bit too forward himself, but he seems to apparently have uh, limits there. <laughs> Yeah, like when like Madan is actively saying stop and no, then Chiaki's just like, well, I can come in and help at this point to say get off of her. Mm -hmm. With Minazuki, it just feels as if he was getting really like rapey. Yeah. Like it just came off that way. He was always like strong arming her, mm -hmm. like pushing her up against the wall mm -hmm. and stuff. And that's not to say that Chiaki didn't also do stuff like that. It's just that... Um, yeah, it's too far. Yeah. Every time that Minazuki was, was possessed, it's like, okay, this is going really, like, left, you know? And so mm -hmm, I would say that mm -hmm. that was very... I mean, that's a problematic point for me. I think... Sure. In the manga as well, there's also just different moments for like dubious consent which that we can definitely attest mm. to chiaki in the comic but then also in in the anime when sinbad kisses jean like mm -hmm. just out of the blue it's a surprise kiss they're always always uh yeah bad <laughs> yeah, yeah because i mean especially mm. in the anime in in that you know it took her so long to find out who sinbad was so he, he's mm -hmm. kissing her knowing who she is but she doesn't know him and so it's more right. devastating that i lost my first kiss to somebody and they're always going against me like what is this you know versus in in the comic you do find out who chiaki is earlier on and stuff um, not that it doesn't make the dubious mm -hmm. consent moments of I'm going to kiss you or I'm going to be like touching on you and then Maran isn't really for it. Like it doesn't make it better, but mm -hmm. I guess it just feels better in the sense that they're on more of an equal playing field since they both know who the other person is. Right. Exactly. Yeah. No, it definitely it, it that is a, a problem in general. I mean, with any dynamic with the characters where it's like one knows more than the other, that's always 
um, problematic, but especially when it gets to a romantic place, then yeah, it's not um, good. And I think that like, yeah, in general with Chiaki's behavior, I mean, I think especially like compared to what Minasuki does when he's literally possessed by mm-hmm. a demon, it never feels like he's uh, putting Maro in actual danger. Right. You know, with his actions, I think is the main difference, especially in how they present things. But like, also just in general, when people are possessed by demons, like, it gets really violent a lot of the time. Yeah. They're often like pushing away or even physically attacking loved ones. Um, so that can definitely be like emotionally intense for a lot of people, I think. I And like, in general, you know, like, the dangerous situations that people are in a lot of them can happen in real life without any demon present yeah. and i think that that's definitely like if you are sensitive to those things you should definitely keep that in mind watching the show because even if it's like oh but it's a demon like it's still showing the thing right so yeah like if you have ever yeah. experienced like physical abuse i don't know there's definitely certain episodes in the anime that you would want to steer clear from because they just kind of make it seem like it's the demon inside of them that made them physically abusive and stuff. And then there's also not like a resolve, I guess. Of course, for the sake of the story, it's, it's fine, but definitely like, you know, because in real life they don't have that excuse or what have you, you know, it's, it's a lot more complex than that. Mm -hmm. I think that it's something to to keep in mind uh, for sure. But yeah, and then I guess uh, we wanted to talk about the the kind of general agency of of Jean of of Maron, mm-hmm. especially in regards to Chiaki. So yeah, like with him, you know, constantly again, like pretty much whenever he can, trying to um, prevent her from being John in the first place, but trying to prevent her from getting checkmates, but trying to prevent all this stuff. And it's like we know by the end that oh, it's because he's trying to protect her. He's trying to protect her heart and all that stuff, yeah. but it's still like she didn't ask for help and sometimes he like goes too far with it you know yeah he'll go too far and like they'll have different convictions you know about things like just like how we talked about the episode with the photographer Mm -hmm. the photographer and him burning all of the pictures the way that Zen was like there are just these moments where you know that he's trying to do his best to support her but because we don't kind of get the full context really until the end it just comes off as like very overbearing you know like yeah as if he's saying that she can't make her own decisions that she's weak so Mm -hmm. she shouldn't be like a phantom thief Mm-hmm. he's always around too like i mean yeah. i know that you know because of plot of course he has to be around but it's like <laughs> um everywhere that they go like he ends up following or he's around in some like former capacity so like there's one point when like the gymnastic team is like going on like this camping trip with the soccer team and he joins the soccer team <laughs> but he just joined just so that he could be around them. Um, Mm -hmm. And so she's not able to just have that space for real. So even Mm. that personal space of like him 
just randomly going into her room, invading her privacy, because like that voicemail thing is kind of yikes, you know, like uh, you can't find her. So you go into her apartment and then you listen to her mom leave like this divorce. We're getting a divorce voicemail. Like it's good that they helped her, but it's also intrusive. Right. Yeah. Mm, it's like. Yeah, there's it's it's a lot of like okay, but this isn't any of your business, guy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, sure. By the end, we see that it's like oh, because he loved her, all that stuff. And I think it's also again with the TV show, all that stuff coming at the very end of things that makes it all the more frustrating. Because like with the comic, we get a lot more time with him being open and honest and all of that. This again, their relationship is just so much better all around. Yeah, it's less antagonistic (laughs) because of how like open they are with each other. Yes, yes. It's like, I understand why they made that decision, but I don't have to like it. Right, right. Same. (laughs) Yeah. But yeah, so I guess, uh, is there anything else you wanted to say about the series in general? Either the, the TV series or the comic? Um... Oh, you know what? Do you have like a favorite Rosario or did you just like all of them? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I mean, I don't feel very strongly about all any of them, to be honest. Mm. They're nice. They look nice. I think one of the problems with a show like this and Saint Tale kind of also has the same thing where it's like, you know, because the motif is Christianity, it's kind of mm. not the kind of series that like it's easy to get merch of and like to decorate without giving other messages <laughs> right true yeah true. yeah but you know like it is they, they are pretty and i love um i love her transformations even like the first one i like her outfits and stuff i, I think that her design is super interesting hmm yeah i'm not sure i really feel any particular way about the actual rosarios so did you have a favorite i think i preferred the second one mm-hmm I just it looked cuter to me, and so it, it wasn't from a religious like, a religious standpoint. I was sure, like, oh, sure. The second one looks cuter. Like I like that. Yeah, I'm definitely you know I'm I'm very curious about. I don't know if you have an opinion on like this and Saint Tale. I know you haven't watched it yet, but like these being two different series where Christianity is a very like main part of it, and you know it's a Japanese series, so like. Yeah. We don't have a lot of Christians even now. Um, so I don't know if you have any feelings about like that use of it. Like the display of like Christianity in it. Um, I don't know. Like I don't have strong feelings because it's like I'm not practicing. But then at the same time, it's just like I don't think that God would be weak enough that, you know, it would take just some art pieces for everything to kind of go to hell. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Uh I think it would take a lot more. Um, Mm. I I think there would be, I don't know, maybe there would be more phantom thieves. Uh, It wouldn't just be all centered on one. Mm. I, I wish if there was more time, I would also love to like kind of get into like why Tanimura decided for like, Jean of being the reincarnation mm-hmm. um not that, that she's not admirable but it was just kind of like this i mean it's a choice yeah 
it's it's a choice so it was just kind of like oh i wonder why but okay like right. cool you know yeah but yeah. yeah so i mean i guess that would be that's the only thing i could really say is just that you know i think it would take more than just like art pieces for everything to technically kind of go to hell <laughs> but um sure i still like the story mm -hmm. um I don't know if you're strongly religious um maybe just stick to the anime because like <laughs> i know i don't think that you would agree with people like uh, can we can we even agree to people like having sex in heaven i don't know yeah yeah and, <laughs> like... and just by the way for anyone who has not read the comic yet just so you know we don't see any of that it's like very heavily implied it's just like it's yeah, yeah it's heavily implied it's not <laughs> yeah yeah it does not become smut at all like i promise it's still in ribbon so uh, <laughs> yeah 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 otherwise I, I think that overall it was a really fun time i'm glad that I've had the chance to watch it full out mm -hmm. um, and not just stop at episode 20. <laughs> um, <laughs> although I'll admit you guys, um, uh, the first time I watched it, it was bootleg. And this time I watched it, it was also bootleg. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's fine. It's, it's a very, it's a very phantom thief thing to do. So it's, it's good. It's fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, don't try that at home. Yeah, I mean, unless you want to. But I mean, I don't endorse you doing it. You could still like buy the comic. Mm -hmm, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. it's yeah, it's okay. all translated, so it's it's good. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. <laughs> great, great. So, um, with that, since we have been chatting for for quite a while here, I think it is uh, time to get to the final question. So, um, Chica, have you ever imagined a magical persona for yourself? Um, I don't know. Like, I think when I was younger, I like tried to think of myself as like as a sailor scout. Like, what would I mm -hmm. do? You know, sure. I would put a, a towel over my head to signify that I had like long hair, like you psyche. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. and stuff. But like a full on persona, um, I don't know, like. Probably not as much, but I think that as an adult, I've definitely dealt with a lot of adversity and mm. just different obstacles in my life. Um, and so I like to think like post getting through like different ordeals that it's like, you know what, this kind of resilience is magical. Mm. Sure. So maybe like it's like a little real world aspect of it, but like a full on persona with like colors and the outfit and like powers, like um, not really. <laughs> okay. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Okay. Great. So uh, in that case, yes, Chica, thank you so much for coming out to Sparkle Side Chats to talk to us about this uh, great series. Yeah, I mean, thank you so much for having me and stuff and like being part of my community as well. <laughs> I always just really appreciate like what you do. Um, and I don't just mean that like within Discord and stuff, but I feel like <laughs> yes, we yes. <laughs> I feel like we agree on a lot of different things. Um, mm -hmm. And I like to hear your perspective especially on the podcast because I do listen 
So thank you. <laughs> it's great to like have the chance to be on and to talk to you about this. And, you know, I hope that we get to do this again. Yeah, I would love that. <laughs> great. So, um, Chica, where can people find you and follow you to talk about John and other magical girls? Yes, you guys can follow me on um, Twitter. Eventually, I'll be back on there. But on Twitter, <laughs> Instagram, TikTok, although I'm not as active on that, at Chica Supreme. And that's mm -hmm. Chica with a K and not two C's. It's spelled the Japanese way. And that is actually legitimately my name, guys. I, is this not a persona thing? <laughs> Yeah, as I'm I'm Nigerian and so like hmm. Chica is like my full name's Chica Adelie. It's a Nigerian name. So my nickname oh, I love the fact that it was like, oh, because like I'm all I'm into Japanese manga and, and 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 anime and oh now my nickname is technically also Japanese too. Like I I was like very excited about that. Um, <laughs> when that like when I was fully cognizant of it, but yeah. But anyway, you can follow me at Chica Supreme across those platforms. And can you tell us more about your podcast as well for anyone who hasn't checked it out yet, which they should? Sure. Yeah. So <laughs> um, I am one of the co-hosts of the Shoujo Sunday podcast. Um, Shoujo Sunday is a podcast that aims to review and reflect on shoujo properties that deserve more recognition than what they currently receive. Um, and it's hosted by me and my friend Gianna, um, Gianna Luna. And we talk about different shoujo anime, whether it is TV shows or movies. And we use ice cream puns to analyze um, the different parts of uh, the shows or the films that we're watching to get more in depth. So you'll hear us give like a soft serve summary to kind of talk about what's happening in an episode in a nutshell. Floats your boat is when we're talking about what we like. Ice cream, you scream is when we talk about what we don't like. So yeah, mm -hmm. we have puns galore and we mean them. <laughs> so yes, yes. yes. I feel like most people who listen to this podcast would probably also enjoy your podcast. Um, so, yeah, and I'm definitely looking forward to whenever Magical Girls actually come up. <laughs> yes, we'll yes, see. making yes. its the debut. I feel like mm -hmm. it is happening definitely by definitely next year. Okay, good to know. So, yeah, that's yes. sweet. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, thank you so much again for coming on the podcast, and I hope you have a good rest of your day. Thank you. I hope you have a good night as well. Thank you. Whether this was your first or last time listening, thank you so much for checking out this episode of Sparkle Side Chats with Magical Girl Ayu. We hope you check out the rest of our chats, over two years of magical content and counting. And if you like what you heard, tell a friend or tell five friends or tell the whole world by talking about us online. If you use social media, don't forget to use the hashtag SparkleSideChats when talking about and sharing the podcast.
You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at MagicalGirlAyu, spelled A-Y-U. And you can find me at Ayushinos, A-Y-U-S-H-E-K-N-O-W-S. You can also email us at sparklesidechats at gmail.com. Did you know we also take recommendations for future guests and topics? Just fill out the form in the show notes. You can even suggest yourself if you're so bold. The very best free way to support the podcast is using your podcast platform to give a rating and review of our little show. This gives the big internet machines the message that they should share it with more people, and I think we all want that, don't we? You can also join the Discord server for this podcast to talk about Magical Girls 24-7, often chatting directly with me and both previous and upcoming guests of the podcast. The forever link is in the show notes as well as on the socials, so be sure to stop by. Show notes can be found on your podcast platform of choice or at our main landing page at anchor.fm slash sparkleside. If you have a few bucks, you can give a one-time donation at ko-fi.com or ko-fi.com slash ayushinos. You can also commit to a monthly membership, which grants you access to bonus episodes about Magical Girls and adjacent content such as movies, comics, and other series that Magical Girl fans tend to also love. All it takes is $5 a month, but if you want to rank up, that'll give you discounts on art commissions and monthly requests as well. Music credits, as always, are also in the show notes. Original podcast music is by Hazel. You can find her on Twitter at a few bruises. Thanks again for listening. And remember, you are magical forever and always. See you next time.